I am the police, and I'm here to arrest you. You've broken the law. I did not write the law. I may even disagree with the law, but I will enforce it. No matter how you plead, cajole, beg, or attempt to stir my sympathies, nothing you do will stop me from placing you in a steel cage with gray bars. If you run away, I will chase you. If you fight me, I will fight back. If you shoot at me, I will shoot back. By law, I am unable to walk away. I am a consequence. I am the unpaid bill. I am fate with a badge and a gun. Behind my badge is a heart like yours. I bleed. I think. I love. And yes, I can be killed. And although I am but one man, I have thousands of brothers and sisters who are the same as me. They will lay down their lives for me, and I them. We stand watch together, a thin blue line, protecting the prey from the predators, the good from the bad. We are the police. And welcome back to episode 13, 10 plus 3. I am a bit superstitious. But we are going to be looking at the end of Watch. That fantastic documentary style police. Well, what happens to the police in America? We're going to discuss how real, how realistic is it, how much we like it. It's been over two weeks, people, so welcome back, Stu. Welcome back, Nim. Welcome back, myself. We don't know where Graham is, and we think he's in a pub moving a fridge or something. Guys, how are you? Very good, mate. How are you doing? Very good. Nim? Very I'm good. good thank- I'm, g- I'm good, thank you. It's good to be back, I tell you. I missed last week technical issues and location problems and stuff like that but it's uh it's good to be back doing this again it is I, and i think i think um throughout the years we hopefully do this i think the summer uh is going to be quite a difficult period because everyone everyone goes on holidays and obviously uh has holidays and goes out with the family a lot so uh i'd imagine come after august come september we'll be uh completely back on track as to as to one episode a week yeah yeah it'll be good to um start batching them out once a week again and episodes as well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. This is this did this, this is not this is not PG, boys and girls. This is not PG. So, exactly. end we're of watch. Up. We're men. We're grown ups. We talk about grown up stuff. We we do we do. Um. So, <laughs> end 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 of watch. Who has this? I don't actually have the synopsis in front of me, and I don't want to go on IMDb because my internet is so rubbish that as we're recording this podcast, it, Skype will just hang up. Does anyone else have a have a synopsis? I reckon Nim has. Nim, do you have a synopsis? I'm afraid I don't. This, is, find this, this is fantastically organised, isn't Was it? there any sarcasm there? Okay, <laughs> funny enough, I've got a synopsis. So. Oh, rescued by Stu. Okay. Right, in South Central Los Angeles, street cops Brian Taylor and Mike Zavala. The balls out cops patrolling the streets as Latino gangs are a struggle with power of black gangs for supremacy on the streets. Brian and Mike get lucky a couple of times making big drug deals and uh, bust a human trafficking ring. So the Mexican cartel greenlight them and they're marked for death. We follow them documentary style on the streets of patrol to the start to the very end. And uh, that's it really. We're going to get into the, the meat of the film but... And there'll be plenty of spoilers, and we'll be telling everyone what happened. So if you haven't seen it, you've missed a great film, but we'll tell you how it ends anyway. So, uh, Nim, you'd never seen this film before, and I believe, due to your wonderful dedication, you've just finished watching the film. 
So what did you think before the film? Did you know what it was about at all? Yeah, well, I mean, only from what you guys had told me that it was about an American cop programme and it was filmed a documentary style. Um, Yeah, like you say, I've just finished watching it and I've got to say it's a very, very good watch. Um, It's one of those things that just keeps you on the edge of your seat. I think the last kind of half an hour, you just, your your heart, well, my heart just stopped. I just wanted to see what was going to happen. So I've got to say, very, very good pick, Stu. I think it was your pick, wasn't it? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd seen it. I mean, it was back in 2012. I'd seen it when it first came out, and I went into it and I watched it. I didn't really know what it was about. I know Jake Gyllenhaal was in it, and that was about it. And uh, I was, I was really surprised. I was blown away by how how it was filmed. I really enjoyed the documentary style of it, and I didn't think that spoiled it at all. And as you say, it's an hour and 44 minutes long, and the last 20 minutes you could sit in a burning house and this would be a good enough reason just to stay put and watch the end of the film to find out what happens. It's just such a rush. It's a brilliant, brilliant film. What about you, Jay? Uh, you say you didn't mind that you liked the documentary style of it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was a really good, a I, really good angle to do it. I thought it was great and it didn't spoil it. It made it, for me, more raw and real. However, I've always felt with the Cloverfields and the Blair Witch projects and things like, when it's shot documentary in extreme shaky cam, not like Michael Bay's shaky cam, but, you know, real shaky cam, um, I always I always find it quite hard to get into, and it always takes me that 10 to 15 minutes to actually get into it and get used to it. Um, and I find it really, really distracting. I don't think I'm the only one. I might be the only one, obviously, amongst you both. And the only other thing, um, the, the the only issue I actually had with had with it is it began as if obviously Jake um, Jake's character uh, Brian Taylor, yeah, yeah. he it, it made out he was actually filming it, and then uh, as I understand, is this this is the big question I have, and I'm sure one of you be be able to tell me, are the two officers filming the whole thing either on their stamp vest or with their handy cam? Is it all? It almost no, like a found it, footage film or not. This is what I got confused with. No, it's with. not a found footage film. It's uh, it's kind of found... Uh, it's filmed in... Some of it's uh, obviously from the, the cams on yes. the, uh, the, the shirts cams, got. Yeah, yeah and, uh, but obviously uh, one of the clips, when you see the angle from the end of the shotgun and stuff like that, that's just... I think that's just filmed for the effect and added to the, uh, the tension I, I found when I watched it because it was filmed in a uh, like shot documentary style that it was raw footage. It wasn't cut. We were seeing everything that actually happened. And oh, yeah. I liked that fact that it made me feel like I was actually there witnessing what had happened rather than it kind of having it cut, panned from one to the other. It was like the, the continuity was all there. And I thought that made me involved straight away from the first scene of the police car and the police chase shot kind of actual time. So you didn't uh, find it I inconsistent? Because I did, uh, with that no. idea. And In what it, way would you find it inconsistent then? The fact that it started as if it's... Uh, I got the impression that initially it was going to be either um, body cam footage or obviously it's footage with the thing. And that was the idea almost they were going for because the camera was this big deal throughout the whole film like with, with the sergeant and I think uh, possibly even the inspector. And that obviously it wasn't... It, that ended up not being the case. It, it was just that the film set you up to expect that almost. I mean, in the first like 10, 15 minutes and they set these rules to expect it and then it, and then it kind of broke them. By, by obviously not having that and clearly having both characters, I think, in shot a, a couple of times, from what I remember. Uh, well, I, I, I think you've got, the, you've got the kind of main camera, 
which the, the film starts off with because it's got like the date and the time. And then initially I thought, is that the, you know, like they have, they have um, cameras in the vehicle sometimes. Um, then afterwards you realise that it's the handheld camera. Then they've got the body cam. So you've got the two cams there. And then with the Mexican gang, they've got, there's a chap in there that's recording as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, so. so then it looks like the film's kind of being put together from all three different bits of footages. That's how I kind of, have taken it okay i mean i just find it a bit a tiny bit a tiny bit confusing to be honest though once i got over that which was fairly quickly um uh, i i really enjoyed the film um and i don't think uh, you know i think that's just me being nitpicky uh rather than anything else yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I thought it was great i thought it was so i just thought it was such a good idea the way it was done and i know what you mean about the found footage but a lot of the time i was just so into the film and what was happening anyway I wasn't even thinking about whose perspective it was coming from. It was just a case of this is happening. And, uh, I mean, throughout the film, they go to nine jobs throughout the film. And for an hour and 44 minutes, I mean, that's a hell of a lot to pack in. And each one is adding to this, the storyline to the finale at the end. And you don't see kind of um, point of view for all of it. But that didn't bother me. I mean, it, it, even not the swearing in it... Uh, and there is a lot of swearing in this. It didn't bother me either. No, the word uh, F-U-C-K is used 326 times, making it the sixth in the all-time profanity list at the time. And what is number one? Do you know? I don't. I don't, Stu. What's number one? Number one is The Wolf of Wall Street, 569. Bloody and hell. And the word fuck is used three every 3.16 minutes. On average. Dear On me. average. That's yeah. crazy. You've got The Wolf of Wall Street, Summer of Sam, Nil by Mouth, Casino... Alpha Dog, Enderwatch, Twin Town, Running Scared, and Sweet Sixteen. A lot, so a lot of them are quite. I mean, at least half of them plus are quite fairly recent films, aren't they? Interestingly enough. Uh, yeah, they're apart from well, four of them uh, are late nineties. Oh, okay, never mind. Well, yeah, uh, within our generation, anyway. I mean, I mean, um, uh, yeah, because I remember, I remember when I was growing up, Robocop was the big bad film, you know, with a lot of swearing and a lot of. See, when I was growing up, I remember when um, Beverly Hill Cop came out and had a massive um, to do on that with regards to, I think, uh, Eddie Murphy in the first scene when he was in the locker room said the word fuck about seven times in about 30 seconds. And it was a big deal. And it was huge, yeah. And and that's part of it what drew me to wanting to watch the film, to be honest. I mean, um, last last week, Jane, Silent Bob had it um, 248 times. That's in Jane, Silent Bob, Strike Back. But then again, the F word as a whole, um, it, you, you, I think even a 12A or 12 is, an, is allowed like one F word now, whereas like 10, yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah, we spoke about that, didn't we? Yeah. When we did the Goonies podcast. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be the case though, 10, 20 years ago. So. I mean, this, no. is, um, this is rated an R, that, and I think that's purely because of the violence, isn't it? Not the swearing. Is that right? Uh, I'd say. Everything mixed it's, in. It's everything mixed in. I mean, the swearing. Is used in an aggressive nature, isn't it? And and that's what we were speaking about on the Goonies. That if you're just using the, the swearing, um, as in like a surprise or something like that, as all descriptive, I think it's allowed to a certain extent. But if it's used in a threatening or violent manner, that, uh, that and it ups it to a fifteen. But as you say, there's beheadings and everything in this film and executions. So, I mean, they could pretty much say what they want with regards to what you're actually seeing. It's, it's, it's him in a box. 
It sounds like he's into the pumps. I think Nim's fallen down a hole. Are you okay, Nim? Is that better? Yeah, oh, yeah what happened there? Yeah, it's just the microphone just slipped oh, out of my head. Oh, that. <laughs> um, yeah, just found this thing. They're, they're, so the, the, the shots that they've done off the body cams were actually done off the body cams. And a guy called Michael Mansuri of Rental House Radiant Images stripped down the silicon imaging SI2K mini camera to about a third of its original size. Oh, wow. So they could actually attach it. I can't hear you now. What's going on? Yeah, I can hear you, mate. That's all okay. right. So they actually stripped it down to a third of its original size to put onto the uh, body armor that the, um, Jake and Michael were wearing. Really? So it's actually filmed from that. Because you'd think maybe that... Because sometimes when they're showing that kind of thing where they're saying, oh, we're filming it from the body cam, they're not really filming it from the body cam, but they actually did. Yeah. That's what I'd that in. No, exactly. And when I was looking at the making of it on YouTube, and they kind of had these um, rucksacks, which they obviously put around the other way, so the shots for when the camera is actually looking at their face. So it's really close up on just their face from below. And that scene when they go and first meet Big Evil, when they're walking through their party, and you actually you see them walking through the crowd, but you see it from the point of viewers looking at Jake Gyllenhaal's face. It's because they've got cameras strapped to them, um, as I say, like rucksacks, but pointing upwards at their face just to get their, their reactions. And they use them loads of times throughout the film. In the makings on YouTube, it's really well worth a watch. Ah. I mean, I mean, before we get into the uh, of obviously the, the film piece by piece, the over was there an actual story? There was an actual story, but how strong do you think the actual story the actual story was? Because I think if you could, if we're comparing it, for example, to like the Wolf of Wall, uh, Wolf of Wolf Street, um, um, Goonies, Jaws, the story in this is is there's there's not that much to it I feel in terms of the actual story and, it, and it's fairly simple and not very complicated and it doesn't really start until a good bit in the film when once obviously we've, we've established these characters is that being a bit am I being a bit unfair or I think you are mate yeah I mean yeah. What, for you, for, so you don't think it's a weak story at all you don't think that I mean do you think it's a weak story I don't think it's a weak story it is what it is in the sense that it's, it's a, a film about cops I mean I don't know how, you don't want to turn it into a bloody like um, bad boys where they just over dramatise things. I think, I mean, I don't know how realistic this is in compared to you know what really goes on in downtown LA, but it kind of I don't know. The only way I can kind of describe it is it, it looks very very kind of realistic, and I think to overcomplicate things and make a story out of something, it's it's shot as a documentary, a day in a life of a cop, so it can only be how it's shown. If that kind of makes sense. I know, but yeah. then, but it's quite late in the day. The main story, I mean, the, the biggest overarching storyline in terms of them being cops um, is is obviously um, you, know, you know the the Mexican drug cartel and everything like that, and mm. and then being and then, but that doesn't happen until quite a way into the film until obviously we've we've established we've established the characters, uh, etc. And it's and it's at that point because at the end of the day, it's what the film is just over the one and a half hour mark, isn't it? Um, so yeah, an hour and forty four, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's as I said, it's quite late in the day that the main plot point, which will, which will, you know, you know, uh, uh, take us throughout the rest of the film, and then you've got the the, slubs, the subplots, um, hap starts quite late, and it's just it's it's as simple as they they stumble almost accidentally, um, you know, and start to annoy the Mexican uh, drug cartel almost by by accident initially, just by doing their job. Uh, and then obviously, you know, they're getting a bit, they're getting trouble. I don't know you say they were doing their job. That, that's, 
There's one thing that I did kind of wonder about, um, because the, the first point of contact I have with Big Evil is the noise complaint when they go around and uh, he says, so you're Big Evil, and they kind of obviously, we'll get to it later on, but they meet. And then it's Gillenhall's decision to pursue it further, isn't it, by targeting Evil's mum. Okay. And I, I wondered why he did that. I mean, I'm not too sure where the... Uh, where the story took us there, or why it took us there, but I thought the story was just, it, it was a simple I, story, but it was just the, the lives of two cops who were partners from I don't know. what I they get maybe, out. I think, I know what you're saying, Steve, but I think maybe we're just thinking too deep into it, because, like I said, cause I've, maybe I've just watched it quite fresh. I mean, one of the things that kind of got me is that there's that a scene where they, they're talking about, I think they're in the... Um, in the convenience store, and it's just after they've rescued those kids from the burning, um, yeah. the burning house. And he goes, "Well, you're not a fireman. Why did you go?" And it, it just shows the two differences in the two cops because you've got the Mexican guy, and you can see he's very like he wants to save people, and you've got um, Jake's character, Brian. Who, yeah, yeah. Who he he says, "Well, he goes, you're, you're going to come into the house. You're going to come into the house because there's I'm a detective." So you've got you know how you get some people with like a, a dog and a bone type of situation. I yeah. could almost see like kind of Willis's character, uh, you know, um, a, you know, a very a character like someone that just wants to do something all the time. Um, so what you're saying is, Lim, if we were playing cops and robbers, you'd follow Stuart into a burning building. I'd probably be more the the burning um, like Mexican guy. I'd want to go and save kids' lives as opposed to worrying about drug cartels and I think that's that's why he he, he went to the mum's house because he just had that itch about the, the, the cowboy didn't he that when they referred to those Mexicans with the uh, bling bling guns as cowboys so yeah. I think that's, that, that's where the story was going and that's all it was I think you've got one cop that just wants to deal with drug dealers and those kind of jobs and the other one that's happy to just go around saving people and relaxing Okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, going back to the beginning of the film, then very early on, we learn that these guys are friends. There's quite a lot of banter going on there, um, isn't there? And, it, and, it, and it's, as I said, very early on, they the way they introduce each other, he introduces himself for Brian's character, obviously via via the um, via the camera, and then they obviously go into briefing, um, and then you see obviously the people, the people I'd imagine that are on their shift that they, that they all work with. Well, before that, you've got obviously. Um, oh, the best Brian intro. Taylor talking. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the for me. It was it's an amazing intro with a car chase. And first of all, when I first watched that, I didn't know whether it was real footage. No. That they were kind of commentating on real footage, but obviously, when you see him get out of the car, you realise it isn't. And I, I thought that was such a good intro. I mean, the soundtrack to that was brilliant. Two car, the, the cop car chasing the baddies and. They take them out, get out of the car, and just shoot them both, cuff them, and then they kind of high five each other, and everyone else turns up, yeah. and you kind of think, man, proper badass, and you get that kind of, you get the impression just from their body language that they're they're proper cowboys, aren't they? Really, and they love the fact, as you say, when it goes to the briefing, and they've obviously been on some kind of light duties or something where so, yeah, they're, they're, I, th- I think when a police I know it happens in England isn't it I think when a police officer shoots someone they, they, they get taken off what they're doing and they're not allowed and, and it gets investigated where even if it's obvious that they might be innocent potentially don't they I think yeah. especially yeah so. that's what they said they've just been reinstated in a homicide regardless if it's a police officer it's still a homicide 
and I think it's a uh, Brian Taylor smiles at um, Mike Zavala as if like yeah cool, and you kind of do get that impression that they're young cowboys who are just getting a real buzz from patrolling and doing what they're doing. And I think that's a real good introduction to both the characters. No, definitely. I mean, I, mean, I think as part of their training, I think on IMDb, it's got, they spent five months doing 12-hour shifts uh, doing ride-alongs with uh, oh. LAPD officers. And obviously Jake's uh, first ride-along, he apparently uh, witnessed a murder. Yeah, and they did put a load of effort into the research and looking on different websites and uh, interviews with like cops from South Central. They were saying how realistic... Um, like the dialogue is between them, and also the like the banter between all of their their team or their rotor from when they're getting briefed by their captain of the jokes they play and the piss taken from like the boot is who's is a new person, isn't it? Like a probation officer, they're called boot. Yes. And from the the hard time that they give them, that they were saying it's it's really realistic, and they can really relate to to a reason of. That's why so many, like in America especially, I don't know about this country, police officers went to watch that film because they could really relate to how realistic it was. I mean, look, and I looked at the crime figures in South Central and up from 1,000, it's, I think the murders a year is 7.8%. So it's still really high and that's gone down from from what it was 10 years ago when it was up to about 18%. So it has gone down, but I don't know how how much was characterised with regards to the the like the Mexican and the the black gangs in there. That's one thing that I didn't know was if that was kind of a realistic attempt at these gang cartels, or whether they were characterised too much. I don't know what you guys think about that. I mean, yeah, I think it was very much. I mean, I, I think uh, you, Mister. We've watched obviously the Shield. I, I haven't still. I'm still going through the last uh, the last series, but they do a lot with the Mexican gang cartels as well. And uh, it reminded me a bit. Yeah. Like, it, it reminded me a bit like that. Um, um, I don't know whether they're over stereotyping them for for our audience. Uh, I, yeah. I would have no idea how how real, realistic they are. Um, but watching this, you wouldn't have been surprised if um, I think is it Sean Ryan who who done the Shield, isn't it? From the way it was filmed, I really wouldn't have been surprised if his name was attached to it because it was filmed in that raw footage kind of way, like the shaky camera and the yes. the point of view. It was exactly the same. And, I, and being a massive fan of The Shield, I think that helped my enjoyment for this as well. I mean, the guy who um, did this, David Ayer, also made Training Day, didn't he, with um, Denzel Washington. I love Again, that. An, yeah. Another crooked cop film. Um so, I mean, he's obviously, he's very good at what he does. I mean, his other accreditations, I've not actually seen any of the other ones, but, but Training Day is a great film to watch. And again, it's it's quite similar to this with regards to the police what, and what, the cartels. What I was going to say is, what, what do, sorry, I'm not complete tangent, sorry guys, I was just going to say, what do you think of that opening first line, I am the police, when it goes into that kind of spiel? I thought that was good. I I got that. Well, I, I kind of saw it from two different points of view. I got it from from him, as in this is what he loves doing. This is what he's proud of doing. Yeah, proud to be and fighting crime. And um, but when I first watched it, I didn't know whether it was like a a, a speech or something that the police say. You know what I mean? Like um, what do they call it when they kind of when a company's got 
these certain words that they have to say, and it's kind of um, like a motto, or it's not yeah, a motto, like a but motto yeah. or something like that. I didn't know whether it was um, whether it's for that, but when I watched it uh, another couple of times, and after knowing the character a bit more and she's, how passionate he is, I got yeah, it from that, mindset, his point it? of view. Yeah, his yeah. mindset is: yeah. if I don't take you down, someone else will take you down, and if you mess with someone else, you'll be messing with all of us, and we've got a bigger family than you and a bigger gang than you, yeah. and that along with the drive along. And yeah. the chase, it, it it got me hooked straight away. I, I don't know what you guys thought, whether you thought it was cheese or or you got into it as much as I did. I I really, I mean, I've got to say that was that that first little sequence, like you said, that car chase and him saying those uh, those lines, that first few lines. I thought that 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 kind of sets the, the mood in the film. So I, I enjoyed that bit. Yeah, it does all the way through. I think. Nim took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say a sense of the mood of the film, especially in hindsight after watching it. When you watch it, because uh, uh, at first you don't really know what to expect, but watching it again, I think Nim's absolutely right. It does set it does set the mood for the film, and it and it gets you ready. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I love the uh, go to the locker room, and obviously they talk about he's filming it, and they'll both have cameras, and then you meet the other character, Officer Van Hauser. Uh, I think he's a, a really, really good character. He's such a miserable bastard. And you get the feeling he's a real old sweat who's been there and done it. And he's seen numerous cops come and go, like Brian and Mike. So do you think if Graham, if Graham was a police officer, he'd be Van Hauser then? I th- I think he would be, but he'd be Van Hauser with a, a sport <laughs> skill. He wouldn't have an ass, he'd have a tennis racket or something like that. Spear. I think. Yeah, um, he'd be wearing a headband, yeah. sweatbands. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought if if um, he was a police officer, Mr. Willis, I would probably think he'd probably be that kind of Jake's character because he just gets a bit uptight about things, doesn't he? Yeah. He does, he does. Well, I think if he was a police officer, I'd stay in my house and never come out. So yeah, thank God, <laughs> thank God, it's not. What What do you think? What do you think? How do you think this compares to like British cops? I think uh, British I cops would have guns. I don't know. I I. I, I, I Love the American police films, and I love the the, the black and whites and the uniform and yeah. I okay, think it's a lot would cooler you, than British. Would cops. you watch? Would you watch it if they if they, if there was an almost an English equivalent? Would that interest you at all? In London, maybe. Or um, Manchester. I don't know. You just couldn't pull it off to the same extreme that they can in this film, because obviously they've got the guns and the drugs and they've got the shootouts and the chases and stuff like that and. I, I think you'd have to do it from a completely different angle in this country. Um, and if it was done right, I think it would definitely work. But I think you'd find it hard to pace the film at the same pace as this because they can do a lot more. OK. No, that's true. That's true. Um, so from from a lot more to a first call, um, uh, uh, obviously after we've been introduced to these characters, they respond uh, to a call um, about a guy scaring off a mailman while he's drunk. And this is this is a this is one of the definitely one of the more memorable scenes in the film for me when they turn yeah, up. I thought this was brilliant. The, the more times I've watched this, the more I like the um, the the black gangster guy. I think he's absolutely brilliant. First, of, I mean, the first time you see him, as soon as it goes to that scene, the first thing you hear him say is "suck my dick," and you think, "Man, this geezer's fucking nasty." And uh, obviously, him and uh, they try and tell him to calm down and everything like that, and he. And he starts having a pop at um, Mike Zavala, doesn't he? Yep. And, uh, and then he calls him out for a fight. And obviously he says, yeah, okay. So he goes, you're nothing about your badge and your gun. So he takes it off. And he says, right, if I kick your ass, you're going to put these cuffs on. 
I love the fact they're having a fight, and it's a the choreography of the fight is like a really realistic fight. There's no flash moves, roundhouses, or anything like that. It's a proper, just free for all, just punch up, isn't it? Do you, yeah, it is, isn't it? Do you think that happens? Would you be surprised? I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Who knows what goes on behind closed doors? I mean, it's... I'd, I'd like to think it doesn't, but I'm, you know. <laughs> I think I'm with you. I like to think it doesn't, but I wouldn't be surprised if it does. If that makes I sense. I should imagine. I, I I don't think it would go on in this country, but it wouldn't surprise no. me in, over if it there, happens in America because the amount of work and research they did into this film, with regards to, I mean, to do five months of ride-alongs to make the film as realistic as you can, and then to throw in a scene, which is quite an important scene, because it links in at the end of the film that is completely unrealistic and bollocks, that I think it, the movie would lose its strength to a certain extent if they did this. So it probably does happen in like the, uh, in South Central, but I think in other places in America, more like affluent places, just they couldn't get away with it, really. No, I think you're, I think, I think you're right. Sorry, Nim. No, I was just going to say, it was quite funny in those fight scenes when um, Brian's character's... Like kind of like doing little commentaries, looking at the camera and giggling and laughing and making little comments. And I can't remember exactly what he said. But he <laughs> says, "Here we go again." So it's obviously you kind of get the point of view that he's a uh, he's done he's it, done that. Yeah, yeah, he's done that before. So um, I found that pretty good. That you kind of think, yeah, he's he's done it before. He's doing it again, and it's and you get the impression that that Mike Zavala really enjoys a punch up. Yeah. Yeah, and he, that's why he's a completely different character to um, to Brian Taylor. And and that character plays like a, a you know like a, not a key role, but it is is quite um, that 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 incident forms some sort of like kind of bond or something, doesn't it? Because he's got respect for in, in his words, in the character's word, it goes that you know that's it, that's a gangster. It's a gangster fight. Yeah, he's. They could have done him for assault, police, or whatever they said it was. Yeah. Um, but they chose not to. Uh, and he willingly, well, we we think, uh, you know, pretty much puts the handcuffs on. So we let yeah. him leave. So. Yeah, and I like that. He calls that out. He said, no, it, it was a gangster fight. He called me out. We had a fight, and he took me there, and he didn't even mention like, the, the punch-up they had. And uh, he just went away. He took his badge off, and he was willing to get his ass kicked. And the officer was willing to get his ass kicked, and they just put it all on the line. And... I like that that old school level of respect that the uh, that black gangster has for the police and the, the fact that his mates are calling him out saying that well you still got your ass kicked and it's like well you weren't there you don't know about it mm. and I, I like that I think that's that's good and also that plays in at the end as well which is which is really good I mean the story goes on like that throughout really but yeah that that was that was very good and then obviously the next job. Um, well, the next thing you see Burn is... Burnout car, isn't it? Well, no, it's when you see Big Evil and Lala. Um, and they're the, the locos, isn't they? The locals. And they're doing their drive-by. And uh, I thought it yes. was strange. I don't know if you did or not, but I thought it was strange that they're filming inside their car as well. Would they do that? Because obviously uh, they're talking about the drive-by to go and um, shoot the black gangs up, aren't they? Because whilst you see them doing that, you see that black guy saying that years ago this was all black neighbourhood and now it's all the Mexicans have moved in. 
Mm. And then you see Big Evil and Lala driving along, talking about how they're going to shoot them. But obviously the people inside their car was videoing as well, and you got it from their point of view. That's I don't know if that's a realistic thing. You almost expected Machete to turn up at some point, no. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but going back, before they did that, I thought one bit which was really funny, is when they were in the locker room and Van Houser walks in and um, he says about, he goes, I'm going to go and tell the Sarge that you're uh, taping in here. And he replies, it's not called taping. He goes, it's on flashcards now. Yeah, that's it. But that was really good. It's just the difference in generation that, that you're taping. It's something that you never hear these days. No, no, that's very true. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was um, a quite a good introduction to to Big Evil and Lala. I mean, Lala's a, she's a fucking horrible woman, isn't she? Evil. Yeah, evil. she is. And Big Evil is definitely, definitely evil. But I bought, I just, one thing I did when I was watching it for the second time, that they are fucking crap shots, aren't they? What is there, four of them shooting AK-47s down an alleyway from about 20 foot, and the alleyway's got five people in, and they only managed to hit one. So <laughs> I just thought, man, if you want to be gangsters, you need to shoot in a straight line first. Not yeah. that I'd say it to their faces, but... <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no. I, I tell you what, though, I think it happened around the same time. The, the one thing that I found disturbing... Um, uh, but obviously, it just kept, you know, it, it, I'm sure it happened, and they kept it as realistic as possible. When um, after, I, I think after they they saw Big Evil around the same time, they uh, respond to a missing persons report, and they discovered two children bound and locked away in a closet with their drug addicted husband. That, that was messed that was up. Harsh. That that was harsh. That's bloody hell. Yeah. Happy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what I'd do if if I found that, and I think the reaction of the officers. Uh, it showed it, it affected them. They're not robots; they're human beings. Especially with Brian. Brian's the one that finds them, and he well doesn't go crazy, but uh, I, you know, it's uh, he, that definitely goes near the mark in terms of uh, trying to find uh, more about it when when he's obviously quizzing the uh, drug the drug addict husband. Yeah, I mean, why did they tape the the kids up? Was that ever explained? I, it wasn't. I I assumed the drug addict husband did it to shut them up. That's what that, that's what I thought. Yeah. And it, for me, and it, that's the case. That just made it even even worse. It wasn't even a kidnap. You know, it was just to keep him away while he was doing what he was doing. And it, that's so that's so sad. And that, and and the thing is, as you're saying, Stu, that the research done done there, you know that that has happened on at least one you know on at least one occasion. Obviously, you know, hence the reason why it's potentially in this film. And that that scene for me was was uh, hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was. Um... When I first watched that, I, I was really surprised that I, I was kind of, I wouldn't have been surprised to find two dead children, with regards to like, drugs or they'd taken drugs or something like that. But I think I was even more shocked with the fact that, as you say, these kids were duct taped up over their mouths and noses and locked in a cupboard, and even the baby girl was must have been just months old. Yeah, that she was taped up as well and. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty fucking harsh. I, I really, I thought that was, it was obviously it was done and it was realistic and it, it was pretty hard to swallow. It was because the mom was going on. I think the mom was saying, "Where are my kids?" And the uh, drug addict husband basically said, "Yeah, that you left the kids at the gram- uh, grandma's or whatever." Yeah, I reckon, they, I reckon they were both fucked on drugs. Probably something like crystal meth or something. And, or uh, and or 
that's quite a bold thing to say. Yeah, well, you know, she, what, like they were fucked on crystal meth? Yeah, you weren't there, she might have had problems. It's un- I don't know. quite a good reason to do it. They just, just look like horrible, junky people, and I just think... Yeah, I know, they were proper skanks, weren't they? And you know what, I think it's... You know, and again, I think things like that must go on here in the UK as well. I mean, just don't see it, we don't know it. But you know, you people, that deal, well, people that deal with things like uh, you know, British police officers that deal with this kind of stuff, I'm sure they see worse or, or similar things. Pretty, you know, pretty sure. Yeah, I thought that'd be on that. Surely would make the news if that was if that happened, though, no. wouldn't it? Or do you not think so in these days? I don't think so in these days. I mean, the amount of stuff they, you know, you know, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but the amount of stuff that the media and things like that suppress just to kind of keep keep a bit of kind of normality, I wouldn't be surprised half of the stuff that goes on and what they find. They just don't say it. Yeah, I suppose that baby pee thing was one of the yeah. first things to come out and that obviously hit the headlines for, the, well, you should have done because it was absolutely disgusting. But, but yeah, but anyway, I mean... The third job they go to is obviously Big Evil's house party, and uh, that's when you really you get the first meeting. As I said before, when Jake Gyllenhaal just walks up and he basically has a staring contest, doesn't he, with uh, Big Evil? And he asks him why he's called Big Evil, and they just they don't say anything; they just stare at each other. And uh, I kind of I had a feeling when I first watched that that there'd be repercussions and they'd meet again and something would happen. But, I mean, I thought it's a ballsy fucking thing. I know they have to do it, but to go to a party like that, I mean, it's... You've got everyone around you. you you've got to be shitting yourself. From, even though you've got a gun, whatever you've got, I mean, you're surrounded by fucking Mexicans who obviously hate you. And it's... Uh, I, I thought that was quite a tense moment. That was quite a tense meeting between both of them. Yeah, because when you look at some of the other scenes, like this, you know, even at the start when you've only got like one or two people that then just randomly start shooting at the police, and they yeah. walk into a whole party full of, you know, hombres that have, they they've probably all got arms and stuff, and you think, yeah, you've got to have fucking balls of steel to walk in there because if they all decided just to turn around and start shooting them, that's it, they're gone. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't stand a chance. You wouldn't know where it came from or or anything, and it's. I kind of Did thought you... throughout this film a lot of it, the the balls that the, the cops have got the police areas like that really. James, what did you think of that um, scene with Lala? Um, what the party scene? With, yeah, getting it on with that other bed. Uh, it was right. It showed she's a badass. Was it the only thing I on the second time of watching it? I I, I said I thought okay, but how necessary is this? What does it really do to add to the film? Nothing, to be honest. Uh, maybe that's being a bit harsh, but I don't think that added anything to any of the characters or the film itself. It was it was almost just let's have two girls kissing because we can. I mean that's what it felt like to yeah, me. Yeah, I've got to admit, and it surprised me because uh, I'm normally quite up for that. But I found that as well when I watched it for the second or third time that I kind of thought that's not really needing. It's not giving me any more information that I want to know about this kind of character it didn't add to like a, a character arc it wasn't part of her and I suppose they may have done it just to show the power they've got that they can even pick someone out of their same sex and do what they want do what they want to them it may have been just a reflection of the power that she's got I don't know it might have been I mean it, what I liked though was from that scene um, 
it then went on to uh, like the a family shot of um, Taylor and uh, I can't remember his bloody partner's name now. It's gone out of my mind. Zavala, Brian, and Mike. And it showed them outside of work, didn't it? And it kind of made a reflection of the shit that they go through and the positions they put themselves in. And then they're dealing with their family and their partners and stuff like that. And it's a real contrast. Yeah, I was saying that the, <laughs> the shots where they're dealing with gangsters one minute and then they've got their own private lives and they're dealing with that the next shows the real contrast from, from what they do on their day-to-day to what they, how they deal with it with their families. And, and I think that must be right. It's got, you know, obviously police officers are human beings, so they go and do their 10 or 12-hour shifts, whatever it is they were doing out there, and then they go home and they do their normal thing. I mean, I like that scene where you've got um, Brian's character and his new girlfriend, um, Jeanette is her name, or Janet. They, yeah. they go, they're going off for a drive, and there's that um, really catchy tune. Yeah. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. And they're just singing and... Um, it's just something pretty cool about that. And again, on his first dance, like you just see the human side of things. They're not like, you know, yeah. he likes. I thought Anna Kendrick, fun. yeah, who was Janet, I thought she was brilliant. She's a real yeah. sweetie. I, I thought her character was, it, it, I thought it was great. She was really believable. I, I really enjoyed the, the kind of the time she had. Because, There's something uh, very nice about her, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's something very innocent about her. And uh, I think that was a real reflection on the the innocent the nice side of of life compared to the the shit that they kind of uh, Mike and Brian have to deal with on a day to day basis. She's like the Snow White, and then you're dealing with the cartels, and they're putting their lives on on the line for for drug busts and stuff like that. It was a real flip side of the coin. But I thought the same exactly the same about um, Gabby and Natalie Martinez who played. Uh, um, Mike's uh, not Mike. Yeah, it was Mike's partner as well. And I, I just thought it was really, really good. The family life, the balance, the stability they've got, to the the recklessness that they both have when they're both out on patrol. But there's the real contrast there, because it goes from from that one from their family lives when they're sitting on the stakeout, and that's when they're outside watching Big Evil's mum's house. Obviously, that guy pulls up. And he gets that big tin with like a stewing tin, doesn't he? Yeah. Then they're thinking of a reason why they can pull him over. And they think of the tax, or not the tax, this the CD in the windscreen. And uh, I must admit, I thought one of them was going to get shot at this point when I first watched it. And obviously he pulls a gun out, they get a gun, and they take him out and he's cuffed. And they find the money, and then they find the, uh, the gold, AK-47. And I didn't know. What did you guys think when he was like, oh, my God, you've got to see this? And he was obviously pointing to the AK, but you couldn't see it in the back of the car. And he was pulling everyone. I really I didn't know was, what he'd found. I thought it was going to be like a, a decapitated um, head or something in there. Yeah. That's I, what I, I, thought. Imagine, like, I thought it was going to be a dead body. And when he pulls out a gold-plated AK-47, I was like, bloody hell. That's just, what do you say? It's like liberal, yeah, liberal, 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 liberal AK. It's just like... Yeah, I thought that was a, a really good scene. And that obviously continues the ball rolling for um, for Jay Gillenhall's characters. Kind of, that's when he first gets a sniff, isn't it? And he, he wants more, really. And also, from then onwards, obviously they've got a book, the, 
the stuff in and they go on about the paperwork side, which obviously... That was a nice touch, I thought. Yeah, yeah, because... Because you, you always hear how... Yeah, sorry, Stu, carry on. Yeah, that's it. yeah, you often hear how police moan about the paperwork side, and I thought it was good to hear <laughs> from the American side of things that UK police have the same problems as uh, the American police. I thought that was quite a nice little sarcastic touch, if that's what they were meant to do. But it also makes it quite realistic as well, because when you look at other films, cop films, like the, you know, like the Bruce Willis cop films or Bad Boys and things like that, and they arrest people, they deal with people. You never see them doing any paperwork. You actually see these guys sitting down doing paperwork. Yeah, that's really true, actually. For all the things that they go through, you never see anyone do any paperwork in any other film, do you? Uh, this follows them all the way through with regards to out on the street, getting the, the property or getting the arrest, and then booking it in and doing the paperwork side of things. And, yeah, I, I thought that was a really... I didn't even think about that until you just mentioned it, that no other film actually does that. She's pretty good in Die Hard's case. I'm, I can't imagine a, a John McClane writing a statement or whatever they do for uh, for blowing up Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and they what's it there? That's the next job they go to is obviously the human trafficking, isn't it? That's when they go to that house. And is that the why do they go to that house? Is that they get a call to go there, or is that just part they, of they get a welfare what Jake Gyllenhaal wants to do? No, that, I think that one's the welfare check. Check where the is it where they find all those people in the in the back room? Yeah, the, yeah. the human. Yeah, I mean, yeah before that, that, they respond to the fire, don't they? Yeah, they go to the fire. Yeah, that's we right. We talked about the fire a bit briefly. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's the human trafficking bit with a. Uh... It was a welfare call. I think the daughter, daughter of the mother, had called in. That's it. And um, and I think there's something very wrong from the outset of when he kicked the door in and he kind of looked at the inside of the house and you think something's not right here because I think I thought that bit was going to be a trap. I thought someone was going to be shooting at them at that point. I was thinking no one could have lived here, even if someone because he goes up and smell a dead body, and you just—I don't know if you see the, the shots of the ceiling and stuff—and it's all yeah. kind of eroded away. No, that one's um, the other job they go to, where that's the one where they find the heroin, because that's one where Mrs. Williams is meant to live in the house. Oh, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think this one's um, a bit of Jake Killing getting a sniff of what he wants to do, because they then speak after the fire. They're talking the. Uh, that's like it, that sorry, shop right. about do you feel brave or do you feel a hero is what this I mean what a hero feels like. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. What I mean to the house, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so this is really Gillinghall's fault, isn't it? They go there, uh, there's shitloads of shoes, they've got another guy, as you say, that Mexican cowboy with all the gun with the bling on it and there's women, children and kids who have been locked up like with just human trafficking at the back of the house, isn't it? Yeah, and that's I think that's the when the um, FBI chaps turn up, don't they? It's ICE, isn't it? Yes. And ICE. He, yeah, he basically warns, obviously, uh, both 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 the cops, uh, Brian and, what, and Mike. Sorry, what, what's ICE? It's Immigration Customs Enforcement. Yeah, right. Okay. And he basically warns them that there's linked strongly to the cartel, and there may be reprisals. Hmm. Yeah, and to stay away, and if you pull the, the tail of a snake, it's going to turn around and bite you. But once again, it's they are going after it, but they they do. This one is for me. It was almost purely by accident. Do you find or not? 
the way they stumbled across this human trafficking thing. They weren't yeah, really looking no for way. it, were they? I mean, they, they even said that, that they didn't realise that kind of thing goes on in this country. So, you know, they kind of stumbled across it. But my first impression was, uh, how fucking cool do the people from Ice look when they turn up? Ah, oh, awesome. They were awesome cars. What were they, Mustangs or something? Uh, I don't know what they were, but they all got out with machine guns and they looked the nuts. And I thought, man, if I was going to be on one side, I'd be on the side of ice because <laughs> they look the fucking dogs. So they you mean they need their own film? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'd watch it, mate. Like, they look good. Do we have a, an ice equivalent in the UK? Uh, Neighbourhoods. Neighbourhood officers. Sure. <laughs> you're friendly Bobby. You're friendly Bobby. No? I don't know. Immigration Customs Enforcement. I don't know. I think the government have just cut a lot of our... Uh, Immigration and customs, yeah. isn't it? I, th- I think, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think we've got a boat or something, maybe that we can help with. That, but that's about it. A dinghy, a dinghy, probably. The, the, yeah, potentially. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I thought that was really cool, and obviously that was their the heads up to to where it could go because say you'll be greenlit and marked for death if you were if you carry on, really. And the next scene was obviously um, Pena or. Um, Mike's baby is Mike, yeah, Mike's baby being born. And I have to say, as soon as I saw that scene, the first thing I thought was he's going to die because you get the equilibrium, the balance of happy, sad, happy, sad. The very first one in a film usually is the first one to die, isn't it? Yeah, normally. Yeah, I, I don't know what you thought about that, Nim, but I just thought you just marked yourself for death because you I... just had a really happy moment. I mean, do you know what? There was a bit of me that thought, well, this is going to end with both of them dying. And then there was a bit of, in that particular scene, I thought, well, he's got a new son has been born or a daughter has been born or whatever. So he's got to die. So it it does kind of, it's just like a given, isn't it? When something good happens or something bad's going to happen. But... I mean, but watching it the yeah. second time, I yeah, it, it does kind of make sense. On the first time, I didn't even realise it. I figured maybe one of them's going to get shot and then they'll get revenge somehow. You know, almost like lethal weapon style, which completely takes out of the being realistic about it. But I thought something like that potentially might happen. Um, you know, uh, my minus the getting better montage. Uh, and I was uh, when I when I first watched it, so I was completely the opposite to both of you when I first watched it. The second time, I can see why that's quite obvious now. Well, you didn't think the first time you watched it, you didn't think he was gonna die. No, I thought it was gonna end happily. Oh really? I, I wanted a happy ending. I do not like movies that give me any kind of sad ending. I will, I, I despise it. I absolutely despise films that will give always give me that, that will give me sad endings, which is why I don't like the ending for many zombie films. Because <laughs> a lot of them are sad. <laughs> I get really upset. I, I I sit there. I watch a film to escape. I use it for escapism. Yeah, and yeah. I like to feel happy after a film. If a film doesn't make me being happy at the ending of it, I will get annoyed. Fair enough. That's just I me. Thought, I thought Michael Penny. I mean, I know we spoke a lot about Jake Gyllenhaal. What I thought. I thought he was fantastic in this. The chemistry between him and Jake Gyllenhaal, and a lot of it was ad lib when they're in the cars just chatting. I think they had direction, but there wasn't any script. They were just uh, just chatting. And uh, looking yeah. at his creditations, he's been in. Um, he was a voice in Turbo, American Hustle, Gangster Squad, obviously the End of Watch, Tower Heist, Lincoln Lawyer, um, Battle of Los Angeles. And uh, he's bound and down, which is another good one. He's been in quite a lot. I've, I just say when I watched it, I, I didn't kind of remember him in anything else. But he's got a lot of credits to his name. 
Yeah, I, I've never <coughs> seen them before, and maybe I have, but um, I mean, the names of those films are just kind of reeled off. I, I don't think I've seen them, but um, it'd be interesting to see some of these films because I mean, I've seen the other chap. Um, he was in Donnie Darko, wasn't he? But, Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's so, very good, yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I agree. I think the chemistry between them was pretty good, and I think you know they're, they're probably there's just like the little banter they're having about you know well you white people do this and you Mexicans do that you know. But it was realistic banter they were having, and uh, again I was speaking to one of my mates who's been in the Met for a long time, and he watched the film and he said it really is like that. You do just have that kind of banter with whoever you're partnered with, and that you kind of just talk about everything and you've got that bond and you do go through things together and he said it really is realistic and I think this must have struck a chord with a lot of police officers in this country as I say like in the UK and in America as well mm. and I think they'd only done that with the amount of research that they would have put in and um, obviously the writers and directors as well but, but- I think it's a nice thing in the sense that, you know, regardless if you're a police officer or not, I mean, if you've got a close friend, you know, with your friends, like you, you play golf together or your work colleagues in, in any kind of walk of life, you, you're going to have that banter. And I think that's what that just comes across, that they feel comfortable to be able to take the piss out of each other on a level that most people will be like, oh, I don't know if I can say that. So, yeah. Yeah, what do you think, Jay? Do you think the chemistry was believable? Yeah, or? I thought it was believable from the from the from the word go. I don't know if they did anything behind the stage of how long. I mean, you hear a lot of things uh, that, that that you know that they they rehearsed a lot together, etc., to get that chemistry right. I do you know if they did anything uh, other than obviously the research they did? I, there's no talk of them doing it together all the time, and on how they got this good chemistry, or was or did it just happen as if by magic? I don't know. I don't know. I tried to find out as much as I could, but I didn't find anything out with regards to the amount of time they spent together. I mean, I don't know whether when they went on patrol, whether they went on patrol together for five months so they could witness it together and see how, like, police officers work together or whether they did that separately. I don't know. It'd be quite interesting to know because that may be the reason why that they do get on so well and they do, obviously, it, it seems very natural when they do work as a team on a traffic stop or going to a house or whatever. I mean, obviously they're directed by police who were there at the time, hmm. but it does feel very realistic. Sometimes yeah. you forget you're watching a film because it's due to the documentary style footage. It, like it traffic seem... cops or something on Sky TV. Yeah, Almost. yeah. It seemed like the, the American cops, an extended version of that, didn't it? Yeah. What, Which... what, what are you going to do when they come for you? Absolutely. <laughs> um... <laughs> Bad boys. Yeah. But yeah, then you go from obviously um, uh, Pena's uh, wife and baby and everything to obviously them on patrol and Boot getting a call, um, putting a panic call out that she's being attacked. And I, I kind of thought, as soon as that came out, I thought, fucking hell, this is going to be naughty. Do you think? Did you so, think she was going to die at that point? Uh, I thought she was going to be killed, I thought she was going to be shot, I thought you'd hear a gunshot, or I knew obviously whatever was going to happen, it was going to be pretty fucking full on and nasty, but I didn't expect, I didn't expect that to happen, or what happened with regards to, as soon as they turn up, Van Houser's there with a knife coming out of his eye, and uh, I just kind of thought, fucking hell, I didn't expect that to happen. No, 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 nor did I. No. Um, 
No, I didn't. I mean, that was just that was a kind of really surreal thing to see, wasn't it? He's was so calm and going, yeah, he's, he's quite a big guy. He went over in that direction. He's got a fucking it's, knife sticking out of his eye, and you think, Jesus. Yeah, he, he said this geezer's fucking huge, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think when I saw the knife in that geezer's eye, I was then kind of thinking, shit, God knows what's happened to the actual female officer who was uh, radioing it in. She's got to be, I, I thought she was probably getting raped and beaten up at the same time. Well, I don't know what, what the hell was going on with her. Yeah, I had no idea what they were doing to her. That was horrific to see what Because you don't see... I think they do it quite a lot in this. There's a few scenes where they do that in the film, don't they? Because they go, what is it? Because, and then the other one will say, go and have a look. And then the camera moves on to that, doesn't it? Yeah. There's yeah. a few scenes in the film they do that, so it keeps you in that suspense. But again, I like the way they do that. That felt very natural and realistic. And again... When she was putting that panic call out, and they were pointing in the direction that she was going, they were very calm and methodical the way they were doing it. And for me, How- that added to the tension rather than them shouting and running around and going fucking mental. If you know what I mean. Do you mean Sorry. when they've got there? When they've got there, or yeah, you see How the camera know- shot from down the shotgun, looking at Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal, uh, and just the, the the way it was cut and shot was really realistic for me I was I was actually there down the driveway with them yeah no I agree I agree I mean I was I, I was just going to say I don't know how they got there though because no one knew their location but it's neither here or there is it I think they just kind of guessed what area to kind of direction they were in and sort yeah. of well I don't know if it was cut that way but it seemed as if they were only kind of 20 seconds away from from where the, the initial call came out anyway but I mean it, obviously they followed the noise and went down the driveway and there is this geezer who's like a bloody bear sitting on top of this sitting on top of Boot who's the probation officer and he's just pummeling her with her fists in the face one after the other and that I think it was just for the fact that she was a female mm. and he was just beating her like a punch bag and it, the sound of him punching her in the face it was like him it was like hitting a kind of a, a wet sponge or something wasn't it yeah. yeah, and I think again when you go back to the fact that they've done all that research and stuff, I mean that kind of shit probably goes on. Where whether you're female, small, white, black, whatever, your your ass is going to get kicked or yeah, you're stabbed really in the eye in LA. That's that's what happens. Yeah, and that was pretty naughty. And the fact that that they still they just called her boot still, didn't they? And they said, yeah. well, that's not a name. Call her by a name. He goes, I don't know a fucking name. Well, even they've got no sympathy. I mean, not no no sympathy, but I think they even say we leave our souls at home or something. Two female officers that rock up, yeah, because they've got no sympathy for her. They're like, well, it's her fault that everyone's in this situation. Yeah, she wouldn't have passed her probation anyway. Yeah, so it was quite cold, heartless. Um, So you could probably imagine that kind of stuff again. You know, you know, it felt like the army type of thing. I don't know, army mentality. Yeah. Because after that, he said, right, carry on with your duty. And you think, man, you've just watched, you've just seen one of your colleagues have a, a knife in his eye and another one being fucking pummeled to death and then you're asked to carry on. And you think, you're a human being, how can you carry on and not be fucked up by what you've just seen? But still, they, they have to do it. Uh, and uh, it kind of, it must play on your mind. It's got to affect you somehow, isn't it? I think if that was in the UK, they'd probably give... Um the officers like a couple of uh, months time off or something for like trauma you'll at least be able to go home that shift surely you know <laughs> yeah. you'd, you'd, like, to you'd so. like to think so 
Uh, but again, from there, from the absolute bottom of the barrel of misery, it then goes to... And this was the only part I didn't really like in the film, was to Jake Gyllenhaal's wedding to uh, Anna Kendrick. And I think it's just for the fact that they were dancing and then they did the uh, salt and pepper dance. I, what, you didn't like the salt and pepper dance? No, I didn't. Like, I'd hate to go to a wedding when they did that. Man, I, I thought that I was awesome. Cringe. I thought that. I thought that was really good. Cool. I like. Oh, I'm with Nim, unfortunately. I just thought that was really cool because I could never do something like that. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd just be too much of a pussy to do something like that. I couldn't do that because I, I can't dance, and well, I, exactly, I can't dance. I've got but, pride, and I just couldn't do it. I think it was just fucking cheese. But I think that's really funny. That's the kind of shit you want to see at a wedding. Like that's just it. Just kind of it's fun. I don't know. I'm going to take the the, uh, the grain stance of being miserable and not enjoying that because at the moment we're giving far too much praise out for this film. Yeah. So uh, in Graham's absence, I'll uh, say it's miserable and shite. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> moving on, moving on from that then. Yeah. Um, and that's when obviously, as Nim was saying earlier, they go to the house. It was meant to be Mrs. Williams' house, and the daughter calls it in because she's worried about her mum. And they go in the house. Um, and I, I like. I thought it was very good when he, he was quite excited about kicking the door down. He says, "Have you tried the door handle yet?" He says, "No." He goes, "Little tip: always try the door handle." I mean, it was locked anyway, but you can imagine a lot of people do kick a door in. Would you have liked it to be open or not? Yeah, I thought it would have been quite funny. That, really, yeah, it would have been quite realistic. Of I'm gun ho, I just want to kick a door in because it's something I don't do and often. Then it just opens. Yeah, and the, the disappointment of the fact that the door is unlocked anyway. It would have been something that if I was in a position ever like that, that I'd do, you know what I mean? I'd try kicking a door in, fail miserably, and someone would walk up and turn the handle and walk in. It'd just be me all over. But, I mean, you you do, they find Mrs. Williams in the end, who's cut up in little bits, don't they, in a, in a plastic bag? Yeah. Yeah, and... I thought that, I didn't expect them to find anything that they found in the house, to be honest, that that was... Pretty messed up, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I mean, I for me though, maybe it's wrong. The kids were still the most disturbing scene for me up until that point. More so yeah. than this. Yeah, you can accept other people dying, can't you? I, yeah, it's in a fine. way. Yeah, the the kids bit was, but this bit was obviously that they went in there and they find. I take it they find all that cocaine, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They find, yeah. They find all the cocaine in the jars, and then um, again, it's another one of those scenes where, again, there's a couple of them where they pull back, and you just think, bloody hell, you're yeah. gonna shot. Someone's gonna shoot you behind there. But every single time, it's you know, some they find something, and this time they've got all these decapitated body parts all over the place. Um, no, yeah, it's a torture room, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I thought that was. That was pretty shocking, to be honest. I didn't expect that. And the next thing, it's on the news everywhere. But I don't know how the cartel knew it was them who discovered it. Because obviously, the next clip is then um, ICE are watching, it looks like from the Mexican border, doesn't it? Mm. I don't know if, if that's right or not, but the the cartels... But the, um, car- just... the cartel are also being monitored by the LAPD, aren't they? Yeah, but I don't know why. No, oh, but no, but the interest, yeah, yeah, and that's what I found interesting. We don't. Why didn't they tell them? And we never find out why. 
Well, this I think this my theory is this is that you know you're going to always get corruption in the police, whether it's here in the UK or LA or anywhere. So I reckon there's probably a couple of corrupt LA cops as well as ICE corrupt cops, and they've let them die. You think so? I don't know. That would that would ruin it for me because they, they were clearly marked, and they said they're going to be greenlit, and obviously they go and see their the black guy that they arrested and had a fight with before, and he even tells them that they've been yeah. greenlit. And he says, no, it's for real. You, you but, have but that's what I mean. It's like if you've got some geezer on the street, some like hoodie gangster guy who's telling them, guys, you, there's a hit out on you, surely the people that are watching them, like ICE and the LA the, um, drug squads, they would have known because somebody was watching mm. them and they knew. So why didn't they say, hold on, guys, you know what, we're going to have to move you guys to um, New York for a couple of weeks because someone's going to try and shoot you. Do, do yeah. you know what I mean? Like you think yeah. that's what look, you'd like to think they would do that, but they didn't. They just let them go out on patrol. So I think there's some sort of corruption going on there. Yeah, that wasn't really covered at all. Of I'd like to have known why. Really, it would have filled a, a bit of a void in to find out why they weren't told. And if you would have got the side of it afterwards, like the investigation side, I would have quite liked that. The ice was watching them. I know it would have kind of tangented the film off into another direction, but at least it would have. I'd have understood of why they didn't give them the heads up. The fact that they were named and that was do you know what? Do you know? Do you know right at the end of the film when it says I think um, the day before they died or something, and then yeah. you see. I, th- I thought at that point there's going to be a twist where that that bit gets revealed because that was bugging me after that point. Like, how comes they didn't know that they were marked? And I thought, and then when he just showed them two talking in the car, you know, I was thinking, God, is one of them corrupt? Did Brian actually arrange it or something like that but obviously he didn't they're just kind of showing them having a chat that would have ruined the film wouldn't it if they had something like that yeah yeah, that would have really messed it up but I think that's the opportunity that, opportunity they had they could have done it like that they could have explained like just maybe showing a corrupt um, ICE officer basically just saying yeah we'll let them get whacked or something the yeah I don't know because I mean, it, the the next scene from the black guy was obviously when they were being followed daytime, and they were just um, just chatting in the car with Brian and Mike, and obviously the cartel were following them in their like people carrier, like pissed off, waiting to take them out, weren't they? And that's when they yeah. said, "No, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it another time." And Big Evil's proper pissed off with both of them. But that scene there, I thought something was going to happen, and again, it kind of the film builds attention. Like a false tension, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Because then you've got after that, uh, Janet becomes pregnant, and going by uh, Stewie's theory of a uh, living and dying in films, both of them are now screwed. Um, yeah, <laughs> essentially. Because yeah. shortly after that, they are on a pursuit with a with a minivan, uh, like a mini type, a little yeah. van, haven't they? Uh, who decides to run a red light? I think. Yeah, but I love that bit before then when they're in the uh, in the the briefing room. And one of the the policemen's asleep, and they put shaving oh, yes. foam in his yeah, head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just thought again, the, the, the camaraderie and the, the piss take was. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. I fucking cracked up when I watched that, and I thought it's such an immature, childish thing to do. I could really relate to that. I'd like to think that kind of thing does go on. And he says, "Never fall asleep in a room full of cops." I thought that was such a good line to use. <laughs> yeah, and you you did tend to get. The funny, nice moments, like a roller coaster, followed by a, a really fucked up moment, didn't you? Yes. 
Yeah. I think this whole film so, would be described like that, really, couldn't it? What yeah, it's a bit of a tragedy, really, because that's it's the the job, the final one that they're on when Gillenor says that Janet's pregnant, and uh, as soon as he said that, I kind of thought, well, you know, shit's going to happen now because everything's going so well. He's had a baby, she's pregnant, he's in love, and they're talking about spending a life together. And obviously, as you say, Nim, or was it you, Jay, that the car runs a red light? Yeah. And they chase him into like this kind of hotel block with a, a courtyard, didn't they? Yes. And obviously, Big Evil and his cartel are waiting there. And as soon as they run out into that courtyard and they open fire with their, their assault rifles, that was just fucking mental. That really was. At that point, did you think they were going to die? Yeah. Were you convinced that you like, they're both going to die? Yeah. yeah. Nim? Yeah, I mean. I- I, I, I knew they were going to die at that point, but I just wanted them to... Like you say, one thing you said earlier is about happy endings. I, I'm so with you on that one. There's nothing more worse than watching a film and you just want a little bit of a feel-good moment at the end because usually things are just crap in reality. And so in these films, you want a little bit of like kind of happiness. And I was just thinking, please survive. Please survive. Yep, I was, I was, and, I was. And, um, yeah, it's just... just Horrible to see how it ended. It is, yeah. uh, it is, and you. I mean, the tension were, you know, was there the whole time up until obviously the time they, they get caught down that down that alleyway. And they're, they're calling for backup. Backup obviously do, doesn't come. You know, various times they're, they're stuck. They're, they're working as a team. Oh dear. Do you know yeah, what's annoying though? It's so tense. I, I was, I've got to say, usually, if you, throughout the whole film, every time they like um, arrest somebody or do something, and they call for a backup, backup is there like within seconds. I don't know if you've noticed that in that film. They usually had backup there straight away. Yeah. And this is a one moment, and and, that, and that's another little, you know, annoying thing. You know, they called for backup, and it just took them way too long to get there compared to all the other times. So, again... Yeah, but they didn't know... Because when they were getting shot at, obviously his, his radio got shot, then his phone wouldn't work. And it was only when they got in the apartment that they actually had to use that lady's phone to call for backup. So maybe that's why there's the time uh, delay. Yeah, that makes know, sense now. Yeah, of course. In getting there. But I mean, as soon as they walked into that courtyard and uh, the cartel opened fire, that's... Going back a long, long time, that's probably the most tense ending of a film that I've ever sat and watched. I have to say, I was properly on the edge of my seat, chewing my nails down to the bone not knowing what's coming next, waiting for them to die at some point. And it was just a case of they're going to die. How are they going to die? Well, yeah, who are they I mean, going to take with them? You had the, I mean, yeah, they, they kind of got into the alleyway, didn't they? Uh, yeah. And you had a glimmer of hope that they're they actually going to get out somehow. Uh, you know, with all the dogs barking and stuff, obviously adding to the tension. And then obviously the car, which you knew wasn't going to be a police car. Well, yeah. Well, and that yeah, was the it. Car. Brian's character is the next Marine, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and there's like, you know, a couple of lines... You know that are pretty good when he goes um, when they're in the woman's apartment and he goes we can't hold them off and he and he says we've got to lay down um, a base of fire and pivot which you know I don't know what the hell that means and then I think Mike actually turns and goes what the fuck does that mean and he goes well we're basically shooting our way out so at that I did think at that little point there I thought if any one of them two is going to survive it's going to be Brian's character because yeah. he's a soldier. Um, but it keeps twisting it around because then you, you, you think he's going to die because he gets shot 
He does, yeah. But yeah, and it's given you. I mean, it's, that's not the only time throughout since from from the first point they get fired upon. You do get these, as you were saying, these little glimmers of hope that they might survive. They end up getting out of one situation and, and into another. You know. Yeah. And it's teasing. That, I thought it was great going down that alley. The way it was done. The, the and it was. They kind of left it as if something was going to happen. Every couple of seconds, you thought that was it, and the tension was building and building and building. And I think the tension dropped a bit when that car came towards them because it would have been too simple for that to have been a, a, a police car. It would have been a very easy way out. But the fact that it was a cartel, as soon as they pulled up, I thought that they're just both fucked now. Yeah, and then obviously that's when Brian gets shot. Um, they deal with the people in the car anyway. Yeah. And then, and then that's, it's such a sad scene. I mean, he, he, he gets quite upset. He, cry, he cries because he pretty much knows yeah. he's dying, doesn't he? Yeah, and I thought that was it. He was dead, and obviously, once he was dead, and um, then Mike's there, just kind of just crying, and he hears a noise behind him. Okay, he says checkmate, Puto. What does Puto mean? Does it mean C-U-N-T or something? I don't know. It's got to be some kind of whether it's slang for cop or I don't Puto. know, dog or something like that. But I thought that, that was a really fucking sad ending. I mean, I was thoroughly depressed at the end of that when they both died. And uh, even when the uh, the police turned up and they shot the whole of the yes. cartel, didn't they? That, they that did. still didn't really give it any justice no. for me. That... And, and I think even, even obviously, at the funeral, Brian Living, that still didn't. Uh, uh, he, he was in a bad way. You know, his friends, yeah. uh, his, 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 uh, the newborn daughter, is a, or was it daughter? Yeah. Yeah, or his so. orphan. The wife's crying. It's very, very sad. Uh, yeah. I, mean, it's I think it's a real tragic. It's a horrible ending. It's like leaves. I mean, uh, fair enough. I mean, the last the last scene is a bit uplifting. You know, filmed before before the shooting about uh, yeah. the, you know the funny joke about his uh, parents in law having sex while he's hiding under the bed. Um, it is funny, yeah. but I can't help feeling it, it's akin to going to a restaurant. It, the start is fantastic. The main meal is absolutely brilliant, but the dessert leaves you with a bad taste Shit. in your mouth and you're disappointed by it. And I can't help feeling that's exactly how I felt about this film. Well, once the credits started to roll. Yeah, I, I thought that. I thought the funeral scene... It, that was, it was poor, wasn't it? Yeah, with all the cars, and it was done. It was, it was really nice. I mean, the Americans seem to do things like that really, really nice, with all the patrol cars and everyone dressed really smart. But the whole scene was just really depressing. You kind of thought that there are no winners in this. No. The cartels died. They're still going to go on every day. And he's shot and lost his best mate and there's an orphan left there and a widow and it's there there's nothing happy about it i mean but i suppose in a way it's got that realism about it isn't it it has this is what does actually happen and you can't always have a a happy ending in real life it just doesn't work no. like that and i suppose that's um but for me though, to david that... ayer who wrote and directed it for me though that's still you know that that still took away massively from what was a fantastic film. But the interesting thing is, had they done what American Beauty Beauty did at the start, uh, uh, Nimbus Jew, basically, uh, you know, um, introduces this is you know the the, first, the last month of my life or whatever. Um, had they introduced b- before the uh, police thing, had had you known they were going to die at the end, would that have helped things or made things worse? It would have taken attention away from me because the, the agreed the last half agreed. hour proper intense. So that would have ruined it for me. I, I, I just think it, it's made it more realistic. And 
training day was like that as well. That was quite a depressing, quite a it was hard, gutsy film to watch. But it had an uplifting ending. The good guys win. Sort of yeah, the good guys the won there. But obviously that wasn't filmed as a shot in documentary style. No. And I suppose in a way it does look resemble kind of found footage. But whereas as Training Day is a, a film kind of glamorising drugs and crooked cops, isn't it? Yeah. But this film is raw and to a certain extent extremely realistic and the end was it was a good ending don't get me wrong I think it was a really good ending but it was just thoroughly depressing yeah Nim? the fact that he died yeah I mean like I say I think I agree with you there James I think the whole of the film was absolutely great you know like a roller coaster up and down up and down keeps you at the edge of your seat for the last 20 minutes I think if there's only one thing I'd want to change in this film is the ending and Okay, let them both be shot, but then let them both survive it. Some miracle American magic way that you know they they survive, and that's it. Because I just don't like the idea of Mike dying. I found it very sad. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, so, so I guess I guess we're obviously up to the the best bit, worst bit, guys. Who's who's and the rating? Who's going first? Who's brave enough? Yeah, I'll say that. I find that I find it really hard to find a best bit for this film because I found the whole film. <laughs> was just so tense it absolutely brilliant so that the whole film is amazing the music the public enemy when they're playing are harder than you think when they're driving in the police car i thought that was excellent i love that the whole film's brilliant the worst bit for me has got to be the wedding <laughs> i thought you were gonna say that i thought you were gonna say that i didn't like that but i thought jake gillenhall michael penier and i thought anna kendrick were absolutely brilliant i thought they were so good. Okay, uh, for me, uh, best bit was the chemistry between the two cops and how I believe, anyway, how how real the whole the whole thing felt. And it would not have worked if the chemistry wasn't there between these two main characters. That chemistry had to work for this film, I think, to be to be as good as it did, and it did. It was fantastic. Worst bit for me was the ending, leaving a bitter, massively bitter taste in my mouth. Um, Stu, what would you give it out of five? Then. Uh, I'd give this, I'd give this four out of five, to be honest. Uh, I would get, I was going to get, I, I, I really wanted to give it a full marks, but I can't because of the ending. So I, I, I'm going to, I'm giving it, I'm giving it a four. I, I was thinking of 3.5. I remember that I gave Clerks a 3.5 and this is way better than Clerks, <laughs> in my opinion. So this is definitely getting a four. Nim. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm... I'm, I'll give it a four as well, just purely because of the ending. Same as you, James. Yeah, it, it takes if, away, if doesn't just, it? If, if Mike survived, it would have got a five. Um, yep. Uh, best bits, again, as Stu says, I like the whole. I really do like the whole film, and I think when I, when we come off this, I'm going to watch it again. Um, but the two bits that I really did think that kind of stood out was the opening sequence and the little bit of the, the first line when you hear Brian talking about I'm, I really like that little kind of. The, the, what he was saying in that um, and, and this is not just to piss you off but I actually really I think the other bit that I really liked was the, the wedding first dance with the uh, salt and pepper I actually really enjoyed that that's so, fine Nim that's fine I'll, I'll let that go mate I'll let you have that <laughs> well there we go quite, quite well, compared to Clerks quite the success um, 
<laughs> when we look at it, when we look at it, which is good. What's our next film? I don't think we've actually discussed this. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to decide, boys and girls, live on air, well at least live to tape, live to, uh, you know, a solid state hard drive in this case. Um, okay, well, James, top of your head, what would you like to do? I don't know. There's so many films. I mean, I mean, we, I think we discussed. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna decide all together. Um, what have you got? I'm just looking at my DVD collection, looking at the Netflix. I mean, I mean, there's like Big Trouble in Little China. You've got Con Air. Uh, um, we we talked potentially about obviously doing Top Gun. Do we do something like Hot Fuzz? Um, you know, you know, a, a, a funny cop film or, or or Police Academy. Guys, any ideas? Come on. I'm a bit worried about what Nim's going to say after Nim choosing Clark's. Nim, what's gone through your mind? I'm just looking at my DVD collection right now, and um, I better just stay stumped for a little while. I, I'll let you kind of throw a few more ideas in there. I, I mean, do we, do we do we want to geek it up and do another superhero so you see after Batman? I'm happy with that, personally. But, I mean, you know, there's everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they could, I don't uh, mind. I mean, do, uh, do we do a classic film? Do you want to do a classic film or a new film? Uh, I really don't mind. I, I, I mean, we've kind of gotten a couple of weeks now, maybe a month, from when we went through the uh, the superhero films. And I think at the moment, I think they're always interested in the superhero films. There's so many coming what out. What about what about a world cinema film? Oh no, no, I can't read, Nim. I can't oh, read. Come on, I can't read maybe subtitles. Something like City of God or something. Oh my goodness me! Uh, Nim, uh, uh, Nim's breaking up. Then I didn't hear what Nim what said. That Nim? James, <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> I, 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 I heard he's going to the city to buy something. I think I, I don't I know. Think, what, did, what did Nim say? Do mannequin? Did he? Do, do mannequin? Do mannequin? <laughs> that's uh, a good idea. We should do mannequin. <laughs> no, I was joking. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know uh, Ghostbusters. That's another one. That's another one we could do. I mean, what I really would like to do, I really would like to do, is um, the Superman Man of Steel. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do Superman, Man of Steel. Well, why? I, why? I, I'd like to do it because I know James hates it, and I really like that film. Because um, I know next week is going to be a bad week at work. Yeah, I, I'm suspecting. I've, I've, got, I've got the feeling in my bones, and I need to vent. And that's exactly what that's going to get, that's going to do. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be like having you know when you have got a tummy ache, right? And, and your tummy's uncomfortable, and you have a really good poo. And it feels really good after. That's yeah. exactly how I'm going to feel after that. Once I Excellent. get rid of all my shit inside me about that film. That's what I want. That's what I want. At some point, I would love to do Aftershock. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Eli Roth. I would love good. to do that film. That's that's a film that's great. And it's a horror film. And I know Graham's a pussy and hates horror films. Well, there you also, go. Uh, Pardon? Which, which film is that? Man it's of Steel. Oh, Man of Steel we're going to do. But I'd like to do Aftershock. Okay. Yeah, we can. I think on the build-up to um, the Green Inferno, we could do a bit of a, an Eli Roth season. Um, a few of the films he obviously did Hostel one and two as well. Yeah, which are, are brilliant films. And with um, maybe we should do one of those as well at some point because they're pretty good. Uh, Hostel. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely, I definitely think we need. Well, yeah, I think, I think she's right. We definitely need to do. I'd love to do an Eli oh, Roth film because they're they're quite they're quite niche. They have their cult following as well, like like, like Clerks does. Obviously, I, we're not potentially one of them anymore. Uh, the part of that cult, but yeah, definitely. But so Man is still next, and then and then, and then obviously that Eli Roth film possibly. Uh, yeah, uh, I'd love to shock. I mean, it got some really positive feedback from people who have seen it. So um, it will be a film that. I'd be quite interested to get your points of view. I mean, I'm quite a big Eli Roth fan, as you know, but just to just to really piss 
Graham off as well. <laughs> so the so next two films we've, we've, we've got ready within five minutes. Amazing. We've got yeah. The Man of Steel and then we've got Aftershock. Fantastic. Uh, and for the record... I, mean, I haven't seen Man of Steel. It's just Man of Steel, that's, that's an origin film, isn't it? It's a shit film. That's what it is. That's all I know. Well, uh, you may change your mind. It's an origin film, isn't it? Yes. And the one after that was obviously... That was the one that... Uh, it wasn't the Kevin Costner. I'm getting them muddled up now, I think. Man, the last uh, Superman film. Yeah, 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 yeah. The last Superman, Henry Cavill, um, and obviously uh, Kevin Costner and uh, Gladiator as the dad. Okay. Yeah. We'll do that one, and then uh, we'll do Aftershock, and uh, then we can go into a hostel or something like that. Brilliant, brilliant. Nim, you happy? Cool. Yep, that's good. Okay, well, it's goodbye from me then. It's goodbye from me. It's been a good one. Good to be back, guys. And it's goodbye from me, mate. Did I ever tell you about the first time I spent the night with Gabby? I don't want to hear that, dude. Dude, I got a hell of a big family, See? right? Oh, wait, dude, wait, wait, I wait, wait, wait. I got dude. a hell of a big family, bro. Someone's always at my house, right? But one time, Gabby's parents bounced in Sonata and her brother crashed at his girlfriend, so I spent the night at her house. Mm. And this was going to be the night, dude. It was going to be the night. You know what I'm saying? No. What's that? What's that? What are you talking about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Okay, cool. So we're in her parents' bed, yeah. right? And it's on. It's about to go down. I'm taking off her chonies. I'm taking chonies. off like, her, her skivvies, dog. Come on, bro. Oh. And I'm like, finally, right? Fucking finally. But then we hear this noise. Dude, someone's in the bed. So I hide underneath the bed. And then I hear people coming up. And it's her parents. This is the second floor, bro. What? I got nowhere to go. Homegirl's trying to distract them, but it ain't happening, right? And the footsteps go louder, louder, and louder. Then the door opens. Oh, my God, bro, I'm naked underneath the bed. <laughs> and then all I can see is little footsteps. I see his hairy feet, and I see her nails all painted. And they're like, they're yapping, they're doing their thing, and they crash. And this is the part that I never told Gabby. I hear a little smoochy smooch, and I hear some shit, and I'm like praying, please, no. And they did it, bro. What? They got down, what? dude. Oh, I'm talking Gabby's parents fucking, dude. All right, I got no. it. No. The shit was so traumatic, man. It must have been a little uncomfortable around that <laughs> folks after that. Yeah, bro, because her father is a freak. Dude, I guess when you've been married that long, you got to mix it up a little bit. I tried rolling like that with Gabby, and she was like, hell no, you're not touching me there. <laughs> It's fucking uncomfortable, man. I know, I know. You know why? Because you're a freak, too. Don't go there, bro. Just don't go. Oh, I'm fucking can't breathe, dude. Holy shit. Any Newton unit, till I was Let's go fight crime or something. Okay. <laughs>